How are you all this morning? Good? I always love coming up to uh, Kaitaia. Uh, I, I love what God's doing in this place. Do you? Yeah. Uh, so it's been fantastic since you've been going for, what, three years now, Paul? Three and a half years. And um, some of the stuff that God's been doing up here is absolutely miraculous. And you need to see it. You know, you've got a tremendous opportunity to reach this city and touch this world. And uh, I just want to uh, commend you for what's happening. And also, I want to get you to pray because, you know, I've seen lots and lots of churches, they get to this time, and Satan hates what you're doing. He hates this church. If there's any way that he can pull you down, if there's any way he can sow sow dissent, if there's any way he can put discord into this place, he will do it. So you need to be vigilant and you need to pray. You need to thank him for what he's done, but also pray. Pray for the leadership. Pray for what God's doing and pray that God will build a hedge around about you. Amen? So you'll be able to fulfill what God has called you to do. Amen. Well, that wasn't what I came to preach to you about this morning. All right, but um, there you go. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it's a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. And uh, we ask this morning that God would just be open to receive your word into our hearts so that it can produce fruit. And we ask this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Seems to have been a lot of disasters in the world this year. Can you think of some of them? The utter devastation in Indonesia for instance, caused by the earthquake and the tsunami, the tidal wave, the fires in California and Australia, the mass shootings in the US, the riots in France, the list is absolutely endless. But here in New Zealand, we feel quite insulated from what's going on overseas. Uh, On my way up here, um, travelling through the Mamamukas, I picked up a Belgian hitchhiker, and he was just saying, you know, what a beautiful country, how peaceful it is here, love the bush, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, we see all these things on our TV, and we, we get anesthetized from the hurt and the pain and, and everything else that's going on in the rest of the world, because uh, it's really, really different watching the fires on TV compared to actually being there, and it's real different seeing all those houses burnt down, to having your own house uh, burnt down. The reality is we're living in dangerous and difficult times. For most of us, what concerns us, though, is not what's happening overseas, but what concerns us is what's happening in our own personal, (laughs) private world. So how do we get encouragement? How do we get help? For ourselves. Well, I want to start off by telling you that the best place to start and receive encouragement is actually God's Word. God's Word has been given us to guide us, to lead us, to prepare our hearts so we can hear God's voice. It teaches us about God, His character, His plans, His heart towards us. It shows us how to live life effectively. But all that wisdom in God's Word is lost if we don't really tap into it. So how many people here would uh, use a Bible reading plan so that you read through the Bible once a year? Put your hand down. Wow, 
That is absolutely fantastic, people. That is really, really great. Hey, one of the things that uh, Church Unlimited is going to be doing uh, coming up this next next year is going to be putting out um, bookmarks and uh, helping you to get into a Bible reading plan. I do it. I use one on my iPhone, and uh, it is absolutely fantastic, and on my iPad so that I can uh, read through the Bible every year. And so I've been doing that for... Oh, over 40 years. And I tell you, there is something new in the Word of God every day. Even after 40 years of reading through it, there's something new in the Word. The Bible says the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. So uh, when that comes up... um, I want to encourage you to get into it. Soul Food is the name of the program that uh, we're going to be um, pursuing this coming year. And if you want to know more about it, just see um, Pastor Paul, and he'll give you all the details. But the most encouraging two words that you'll find in the Bible are the words, but God. But God. Usually they come after some pretty bad circumstances uh, or some situations that seem utterly utterly hopeless, but God comes in and he intervenes and he works things out. So I want to talk to you this morning about but God and where we can expect God to come in and really help us. And the first of these places I find is in our salvation. I was reading about a Muslim village in Africa that is incredibly unique in that Everyone's last name is Bamba. Uh, And there's only about 12 first names as well. So uh, the most common of the first names is Moses. So imagine if you were the postie there and you got a letter for Moses Bamba, you'd be stuck. It's not going to get delivered. Uh, Bamba happens to be their word for crocodile. And their belief is that if they fall into the river, they can protect themselves with this name. By telling the crocodile their name is Bamba, the crocodile is expected not to eat them because they are announcing that they are one of his relatives. I mean, how dumb is that? (laughs) That is really, 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 really stupid because (laughs) the name Bamba doesn't save But all those who call on the name of Jesus Christ uh, and believe in him will be saved. And one of the greatest but God verses in the Bible is found in Ephesians chapter 2. And I've got it up on the screen behind me there. And I'm going to read to you from the uh, living um, Bible. And it says this. It says, Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is a spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passion, desires, and inclinations of our sinful nature. Why don't you turn to the person next to you and say, you used to live like that. All of us, all of us live like that. 
And if someone turns around and says, not me, well, you know they're lying, all right? All of us used to live that. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. And here it is. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you have been saved. What's the biggest mistake you have ever made? Have a think about it. Some of you don't have to think too hard. It smacks you in the face. <clears throat> Last week, I had a really, really busy day on Wednesday. I was stuck on the computer all day, working from about half past seven in the morning through to five o'clock at night. I was wasted when I got off that thing. And I thought, oh, I'd better go and fill the ute up. So I piled down to the local petrol station because they had a, they had a, um, a sale on and uh, they had a self-serve there. And I thought, right, I'm going to manage the self-serve. So I, I got through, did all the bits and pieces, and I was really feeling pleased with myself uh, as I navigated through the self-serve there. And I um, filled it up with petrol and um, put 40 litres of petrol in before I realised... I've got a diesel ute. Oh. Anyone, anyone else want to help me out here and put up your hand and say you've done it also? Yeah, good on you guys. Thank you. Thank you, ladies. I see a hand. I see another one. Yeah, this is really good. This is encouraging. I felt so stupid. I felt so stupid. Oh, I wasted 80 bucks worth of petrol. Then it cost me 100 and something dollars to get the petrol tank dropped out, cleaned out blowing out so I could refill the ute with diesel. But that wasn't the biggest mistake I've ever made. I've made some doozies. I was in China one time when I got a, um, a call from um, one of the executives of the dairy company I, that I worked for because I'd built this um, amazing state-of-the-art uh, waste treatment plant in Tirao was converting waste into gas, which we used in the boiler, um, generated about a uh, quarter of a million dollars worth of gas in those days. Uh, and it was absolutely brilliant, except that um, it was a new plant and uh, it stunk like, I was going to say <coughs> H. Um, it stunk anyway, really, really badly. And uh, this guy rang me up and said, hey, the best place for you is in China because um, there are people in Tirao who are vomiting because of the stench you've made over the town. And now, some of you would have made a smell before, but I guarantee none of you have made smells big enough to have a whole town vomiting. Well, that was one of my mistakes, all right? That was one of my mistakes. But if you could remember the worst situation you've ever been in, or in fact, your worst nightmare come true, all that really fades into insignificance compared to the situation of a person who does not know Jesus Christ. See, we were created to do life with God for eternity, but we've all blown it. Every one of us have done stuff that God doesn't like. That's what the Bible calls sin. And the cost of sin, the price for sin, is in God's order, is not a jail sentence, no, the cost for sin is an eternity outside of God's presence. And that should be your worst nightmare. It's one thing to mess up 
your life for 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 years. It's another thing to mess up your eternal destination. But God, despite the stench of our sin because of his great love for us, has made a way for us to come back to him through Jesus Christ. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. It took God's ultimate sacrifice to make the way possible to pay the price for our separation. And no one is outside the reach of God's love. No matter how big a sinner you are, and when, when I got you to turn to the person next to you and say, you know, you were like that, some of you are thinking, I am like that right now. Uh, some of us have, uh, have just blown it. But every person here is just one prayer away from getting our life back on track with Jesus. Just one prayer. That's all it's going to take. But God is so rich in mercy and he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that we've been saved. But God. But God. Not only do we need a but God in our life, but we need to know that God loves us and believes in us as well. Max Licardo, in his book, A Love Worth Giving, tells the story of uh, two United States high school buddies who joined the army together. And uh, both these guys went to the Philippines together. Uh, both were captured within a month of each other uh, when Bataan um, fell to the Japanese in 1942. And through the prison grapevine, Arthur found out that his friend was near death in a nearby camp. So, so Arthur volunteered for a work detail. And when they passed through his, through his friend Skinner's camp, he was given five minutes to find his friend and speak to his friend. He, he found him on the sick side of the camp in Ward Zero a place that nobody recovers from. His friend was five and a half stone and had malaria, amoebic dysentery, beriberi, and a few other tropical diseases. He couldn't eat, he couldn't drink, he was basically walking dead. Their time together was up, when Arthur gave Skinner something that he'd been saving for his own time of need. It was a valuable ring. Wheel and deal with it, he said. And then he left, not knowing whether he would ever see his friend again. It's, it's one thing to give a treasure to someone who's healthy. It's one thing to give a treasure to the strong, but to give your best to the weak and entrust your treasure to the dying, that says something. That's quite another thing. It says, I believe in you. It says, don't give up. It says, your life is worth living. It says, your life is worth saving. It says, 
I'm on your side. That's got what God's done for us. We were the walking dead. But God, because of his love for us, gave us his greatest treasure, Jesus Christ, so that we could have life and life more abundantly. You see, when God sees you in need, when he sees you hurting, he only wants the best for you, but you need to stretch out your hand and receive from him. Uh, What happened to Skinner? Well, he picked out the kindest looking of the guards and gave him the ring. A couple of days later, as the guard walked past Skinner, he dropped a packet of malaria tablets. A day later, it was limes to combat scurvy. Then came a new pair of pants with some canned beef in the pockets. Within three weeks, Skinner was on his feet, and within three months, he was taken to the healthy side of the camp. And as far as he knew, he was the only American ever to leave Zero Ward alive. Isn't that a great story? See, love believes all things. But God, but God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by God's grace that you've been saved. But God demonstrates his love towards us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, not only do we see but God in our salvation, but we see but God in the circumstances of life. Every book of the Bible is full of examples of God helping people through the circumstances of life. That's why we need to be reading it. That's why we need to be reading it on a daily basis. I love the story of Joseph. Uh, You find that in Genesis chapter 37 through to uh, Genesis 50. Because although Joseph came from an incredibly dysfunctional family, and he was a bit of an upstart as a kid, God was with him. It says, in fact, in Acts chapter 7, verse 9, it says, Because the patriarchs were jealous of Joseph, they sold him as a slave into Egypt, but God was with him. And rescued him from all his troubles. He gave Joseph wisdom and enabled him to gain the goodwill of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. So he made him ruler over Egypt and all his palace. You see, Joseph's journey was one but God after another. His brothers were jealous, but God blessed him. His brothers wanted to kill him, but God kept him safe. His brothers sold him as a slave into Egypt, but God was with him and blessed him. Joseph was falsely accused of rape. He was thrown into prison, but God was with him and blessed him at the right time. God had Joseph promoted from the prison to the palace. And finally, Joseph becomes the number two man in the greatest country of that era in Egypt. And his identity was revealed to his brothers. And Joseph says to his brothers who were intending who were thinking that Joseph was going to take revenge over all the things that they had done for him, uh, Joseph said, You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good in order to save many lives. There's a great scripture that we can rely on 
and especially in times that are difficult, and that's Romans 8.28, and it says this. It says, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purposes. In all things. That means in the things where you've really messed up, God can work them for good. In the things that somebody else has really messed up and that's affected your life, God can work it for good. And the things that the enemy throws against you because he really hates your guts and he doesn't like what you're doing, those things God can work for good in your life. And the things that just happen to us because we're living in a world that is falling apart, those difficulties, God can work them for good. You see, nothing's impossible to God. No circumstances too big. No problems too large. There is always one more move in every situation, and that's the move towards God. And that's what I'm wanting to encourage you to take uh, today. Uh, Jesus wants to be part of your everyday life. He wants you to experience but God when you encounter problems. And the way for you to experience but God is to make him part of your life every day and the everyday little things that, that happen. Uh, when we were first married, uh, Penny and I, this is some 42 years ago, uh, we're looking to buy a house. And I was on a pretty good pay in those days. And uh, we saw this place that we, we liked and we thought, oh, well, if... Um, if we don't have kids for another eight years, we might be able to um, pay for the mortgage on this place and buy it. So we prayed about it. And one morning in my daily prayer time, it was like my eyes were just opened. And I thought, how dumb am I? And I went out with pen and paper to Penny and said, look, God's just showing me this and this and this and this. And it worked, I worked out that if we... Instead of buying this house straight away, if we just waited for another um, two and a half years and saved like mad during that time, we could buy a house that was worth twice what we were buying and we could have kids straight away because uh, we wouldn't be relying on Penny's, um, Penny's wage. And so that's what we did. And it was absolutely amazing. We saved like mad in those two and a half years. Uh, Penny got pregnant with our um, first boy and uh, we had... Massive government subsidies that came through at that time, and we bought a house that was worth twice the house that we expected uh, to buy those two and a half years before. All because I was trying to plug into God, and I was trying to make God part of my everyday life. So he guides me and leads me. It says the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord, and you'd expect him to be part of that. Uh, it says, even though that person falls, he shall be not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. And over the years, we've seen God's miraculous provision. I've seen people delivered from demon spirits. I've seen the sick healed. In fact, I remember praying for this um, Maori lady who uh, lived up the road from us, but who had had a massive stroke. She was in Waikato Hospital on a respirator. And the doctors were so convinced that she was going to die that they... Um, they arranged for her eldest son, who was a black power member in Perimeno prison, to be released from prison with a full guard uh, so he could be 
uh, escorted to her side and then make the funeral arrangements um, thereafter. I went up to Waikato Hospital. I prayed for this, this lady and God intervened absolutely miraculously. Three days later, she was out of a hospital. Absolute miraculous healing. But God, but God. In 1984, one of Penny's sisters was in intensive care in Palmerston North on a respirator after a massive overdose of lithium. She was taking lithium, uh, antipsychotic drug, and she overdosed on it. The, the doctors um, told the family to prepare for her funeral uh, and told the family that she was just going to be a vegetable and they were going to turn off the respirator the next day so that they could start making the funeral arrangements. So when Penny heard this, she went into our bedroom and she just began to cry out to God. And she said, God, please don't let my sister die if she's going to hell. That's all she prayed. That's all she prayed. This sister was all but dead. But God intervened and gave Penny a miracle And that night, her sister recovered. Five years later, Penny led her to the Lord. And she lived another 32 years before dying peacefully. But God, but God, nothing is impossible to God. People may let you down. I've let God down, but God has never let me down. When everyone else is walking out of your life, God wants to walk into your life. Lamentations 3.22, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They're new every morning. You need to look for but God's every day. And finally, God wants to give you inner peace and strength in your life. Psalm 73, verse 26, my flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. Uh, Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 34, 6, this poor man called and the Lord heard him and he saved him out of all of his troubles. Have you ever felt let down? Have you ever been discouraged? Have you ever been fearful, out of control? That's the situation that these verses are addressing. We get brokenhearted most often because people let us down. We get crushed in spirit because the circumstances of life seem so heavy on us They just push in, push in, push in, push in, and we feel small and helpless. But God, it says, is the strength of our life. You know, I'm convinced that God does his best work when we are in our worst place. So I just want to say this morning, if you're in a bad place, God wants to do his best work in your situation and your circumstance. When you're in trouble, in a low place, that's when God comes close and comes through in all these times. He, he wants 
us to call on him, and he wants us to ask him for his help. He wants us to ask him for his presence. He wants us to ask him for his peace. He wants us to ask him for his deliverance. You know, Satan and his system is hell-bent on destroying us, but Jesus came to give us abundant life and give us his peace. And if you aren't experiencing that peace, call out to God and ask him for his help and his peace and stop and let the Holy Spirit take control, control with you. How many people have seen the film Titanic? Just put your hand up. Yeah, most of us. Do you, do you remember the um, opening scene from the film Titanic? Uh, I think I've got a clip of it. Yeah, there it is. The bow of the Titanic. And you see the um, deep sea submarine probing the depths of that wreck at 3.8 kilometers deep. Way, way too deep for divers. In fact, um, a diver would be crushed by the pressure because the pressure is over 5,000 psi. How much do you pump your tires up? 30 psi? About that. Your truck might be 35, 40 psi. Somewhere in that range, okay? So we're not talking about 30 or 40 psi. We're talking about 5,000 psi. That is how much pressure there is down there. And yet, this fish swimming around... And those pressures, how do they do it? How do they do it? How does a fish survive in 5,000 psi of pressure? Well, it's not because they've got massively thick skins. Their skins are actually quite thin. But they have within them an equal and opposite pressure which stops them from being crushed. Any of the fishermen here will know that when you're fishing for harpocker or anything in the deep, uh, you have a heck of a fight trying to pull these fish up to start off with for the first 50 metres or so, and then boom, what happens? Say it out loud. They blow up. They float to the surface. Because why? Because their swim bladder suddenly inflates because they've been, the pressure is being released in their situation and circumstances. You know, the pressure of the world is too great for most of us. The pressure of the world is like that 5,000 PSI coming in on top of us and left our own devices. The pressure of the world will crush us. It will crush us. But 1 John 4 verse 4 says, Greater is he who is in you than he that's in the world. You see, God has given us his Holy Spirit. And it's more than an equal and opposite pressure because the Holy Spirit on the inside wants to flow out from us. Not only does the Holy Spirit want to protect us from the pressure of the world, but the Holy Spirit wants to flow out and actually impact the world. When we have His Holy Spirit on the inside, we allow Him to take control, and then His peace will rule our troubled hearts because God is for us. Isaiah 26 verse 3, as the musicians come, you will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. You see, whenever we get discouraged, we can look up some of those but God verses and allow the Holy Spirit and the Word of God to have its impact 
in our lives. You see, we were dead in our sins, but God, but God is so rich in mercy. He loved us so much that we can have life. In the circumstances of life, we can feel oppressed and depressed, but God comes in and He gives us His strength and His peace, which is, which Philippians tells us is above our understanding. It means you can't work it out. It means the peace that God gives us isn't created by having peaceful circumstances around about you. It's created by having peaceful circumstances inside you. And that's what creates the peace in your life. So I just, I just know there are people here this morning that need to break through in a number of situations and circumstances. I know there are people here this morning and you need a miracle. You need God to come in and touch you and change situations and circumstances. In the first place, to start is first of all with our relationship with God. We're all blowing it. We've all been away from God. But God gave His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, so that if we would believe in Him, if we would ask Him to come into our lives, we can change our lives right around with His power and with His help. So this morning, just with every head bowed, every eye closed. If you know that you are away from God, and if you are away from God, you're heading for a godless eternity. But if you're away from God and this morning, you want to say, hey, I want to get back on the right track. I want God to come in to my life. I want Him to give me His peace. I want to have my eternal destiny secured. If that's you this morning, I want you just to raise your hand right where you are. I'll see it. Nobody else will be looking around. Yeah, I can see that hand. Is there anybody else? Yeah, I see that hand over there. Thank you. Is it, yeah, I see that hand there. Is there anybody else? It's three that I've seen so far. Yeah, I can see that hand. Thank you. Is there anybody else? Just, yep, yeah, I see that hand.